You're listening to From the Friars podcast from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. Merry Christmas, everybody. Feliz Navidad. Bon Natale. Christ is born. Glorify him. Okay, it's a little early here this morning. Um, Brothers, so wonderful to see you, to be here together again and uh, to worship. Um, This is going to be an adult-appropriate Christmas homily, okay? (laughs) So you know. Um, We have the option of celebrating three masses, three different masses for Christmas. You've got Midnight Mass, Mass at Dawn, and Mass during the day. And already by the time of the medieval times, St. Thomas Aquinas, there was an idea where that tradition came from for the three births of Jesus. So the Midnight Mass with its opening antiphon talked about his birth in eternity. That's from Psalm 2. The Lord said to me, you are my son. It is I who have begotten you this day. And that's seen as the birth of Jesus, the son, the word from the father from all eternity. The Mass at dawn is his birth in our hearts through faith, and that was uh, a psalm, uh, entrance antiphon from Isaiah 9. Today a light will shine upon us, for the Lord is born for us. And then today, Mass at day, it's his birth in history in Bethlehem. And, and that entrance antiphon is Isaiah 9. A child is born for us, a son is given for us. So kind of interesting, right? I, I never knew that until I just recently read that. So I want to offer some triplets in our meditation here this morning. Um, there, there are a lot of threes, right? You have the crib, the cross, and the crown. Very traditional thing. The birth of Jesus at the crib in Bethlehem. His cross of his sacrifice and his crown as the king and lord of all, you know. Um, you have the three groups of people who visit the baby Jesus. Right? We have the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. They come. And then there's the coming of the three kings, the magi, the wise men, right? And then there's the coming of Herod's soldiers to murder him the three different groups. And um, it seems to me that the, the mystery of Christmas, the mystery of the birth of Jesus is multifaceted. And uh, just as all the mysteries of Jesus's life are multifaceted, and, and I think what's beautiful is that as we grow, so our encounter with the mystery can grow and deepen. So you can think of Christmas in terms of like uh, a childlike experience and you think of the shepherds and the angels and you think of the nativity and the Christmas carols and the, the, all, everything that's kind of very warm and beautiful and, and consoling, right? And uh, this kind of reminds me of that encounter I had with the children in Bethlehem. You may have heard my first pilgrimage to the Holy Land and there were all these little gypsy kids in Bethlehem trying to sell the penny whistles and I taught them the silent night, holy night melody and then uh, told the people on the buses that this was the song that shepherds played for the baby Jesus the night he was born, you know. Da, 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 da. They sold all the penny whistles and <laughs> sold out. And uh, I was like, they were praising me, Abuna, Abuna, Abuna. And then later in the day, I'm at lunch uh, in a restaurant in Bethlehem. We were having lunch with the mayor of Bethlehem, who's a Catholic. And um, the children saw me through the window, and they're on the sidewalk cheering for me. <laughs> really funny. But... Um, so when you're a child, you have an experience of Christmas, which is just wonderful and beautiful. It is not a fairy tale. It really did happen, but it has the feeling of a fairy tale. 
and it's just filled with kind of awe and wonder and mystery and beauty, all of that. And um, you have the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Um, obviously, the, the, the king, the incense for the deity, and the myrrh to prepare his body for burial. Um, so then you can, as you get a little older, maybe you can kind of deepen your uh, encounter with the mystery of Christmas to understand a little more what, it's, what's, what it means, what it's about. And, um, and then uh, what I'd really like to focus on this morning is kind of the third most adult, most mature encounter with the mystery of Christmas. And that is the, um, sometimes you'll see it like in an artist's rendition of the creche. Maybe there'll be like a window in the background and in the window pane, you'll see the shape of the cross. Or sometimes this, the, this light of the star will shine through the window and the shadow of the cross will be somehow present. And uh, that is the reality that Jesus was born to die. And uh, the third group of people that went to visit him, right, the, the, the slaughter of the holy innocents, when Herod sent the soldiers to murder the babies, Mary and Joseph, the and, uh, command of the angels snuck out of town just in time, in the middle of the night to head for Egypt. And, um, and as I was praying about, you know, it's kind of a, a more adult kind of aspect of the mystery. And I was thinking, um, like in our church in the Bronx, we have the two stained glass windows. You have Mother Mary holding the baby Jesus at Bethlehem. And then you have Mother Mary holding the corpse of Jesus at the foot of the cross. And I was thinking in both cases, uh, when he was born, he was you know, completely weak and helpless and he was bathed in blood and he was naked. And when he was on the cross, he was naked, he was bathed in blood and he was weak and helpless. There's, there's a connection there. And I was thinking about, you can imagine the very first breath that a baby takes after being born. It's an inhale, you know? And I was thinking of the very last breath that Jesus offered when he died. It's an exhale when someone dies. And I was thinking like every breath was like a grain of sand in an hourglass. There was a countdown, you know? So we have this countdown clock here in our friary, right? It's counting down the days, the minutes, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds to what will probably be the ordination to the priesthood for you guys. And I was thinking there's something like that on the life of Jesus, you know, from this Christmas nativity to his offering of himself on the cross and then the resurrection. And uh, you could extend that same analogy to each one of us, obviously, but, um, but certainly for Jesus, you know, he was born to die, to, to save us from our sins, as the angel said to Mary. His name would be Yeshua, Yahweh saves, God saves. It was God's plan all along. And so the joy is mingled with sorrow and it's mingled with glory as well. Let's remember that, the resurrection. You know? And um, I, I have a memory around 2006, there was a movie that came out called The Nativity Story and we were so excited because it was gonna kind of like be the passion of the Christ. It was gonna be a, a high budget, well done movie on the story of Christmas. And my uh, eldest niece, Jeannie, was somewhere around four years old. And we, me and my brother, we were excited. I was home visiting family. We took her to go see this nativity movie, you know. And she, um, my memory of it was she was kind of like afraid and like didn't like it, right? It was scary. And uh, it was a great reminder that certainly as you grow and deepen in your contact with the mystery of Christmas, there are elements there of darkness and of kind of God entering into the darkness into the suffering, into, uh, well, the, the legacy of sin. It already begins, you know, when he's born so poor in a cave and a stable. Um, 
St. Francis would love to think about that, huh? You know, the, the poverty of Jesus and Mary. You know, this great king who was not born with pomp and circumstance, but like. Um, so anyways, um, the, I had another encounter in Bethlehem, which I'll conclude with this story just to share with you. Um, another time I was on pilgrimage, I was there in the church of the, of the nativity. You know, there's this church. It's the oldest uh, still in use Christian church in history, right? Because it, it wasn't. Uh, destroyed by the invading Muslims because they saw the mosaic of the, the Magi and they recognized them with like their complexion and their outfits. So that church did not get destroyed where some of the other early churches kind of got destroyed and then rebuilt and then destroyed and rebuilt. The one in Bethlehem was never destroyed. So it is the most ancient church. It's amazing. And you go in there and of course there's, you go down to the little steps and there's the cave that kind of is the place where Jesus was born and there's a silver star on the floor marking, you know, to commemorate this and there's even an altar there. And um, you go down in there and, and it's just beautiful. You're praying and you're using your imagination to imagine that first Christmas and everything. Well, uh, the pilgrims were going to see some of the other aspects and I was kind of hanging back uh, in the back of the church and uh, there was an, an elderly Palestinian Catholic man who came up to me and started talking to me. And I was so excited because not only did I want to um, see the places where Jesus walked and the things happened, but I also had such a deep desire to encounter the people who are living there now, particularly the Christians, just as we all know, they, they suffer terribly. So I had this in, uh, beautiful conversation with an elderly Catholic Palestinian man. We were there in the uh, Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. And, uh, you know, there were all these crowds and stuff. Well, he, he kind of, I guess, worked there. You know, they have the local Christians who are like doing security. And he was like, Abuna, Abuna, come with me. Like, we'll go through the, the back door and I'll let you can go down there and pray for a long time. And I said, no, that's okay. I, you know, I don't want to cut the line. There were like hundreds of people in line, but we got talking and he was kind of, sh and I asked him like, well, what is it like to be a, a Christian, you know, growing up here where it all began in Bethlehem? And he was sharing with me a little bit of the, difficulties and the trials and the sufferings that he had been through uh, because of his faith. And then he um, shared with me in a very uh, solemn and sincere moment, he said, uh, I would be willing to die for Jesus. And coming from him, and then he says to me, would you die for Jesus? <laughs> oh, and it shook me so deeply because it, it was such, you know, coming from this man, knowing, you know, his background and everything that um, just as Jesus came to die for us, would we die for him? You know, would we live for him? Would we die for him? Would we, um, what they call this marvelous exchange, right? That God came to share our humanity so that we could share in his divinity to, uh, to offer everything for the Lord. And I believe that is the deepest and most adult encounter with the mystery of Christmas, you know, that we would be willing to follow Jesus, that we, he who gave himself completely and totally for us, you know, we would hold back nothing of ourselves for him. St. Francis would say, you know, this humility of God who gave everything for us, you know, that he would uh, invite us to join him in his sacrifice as we offer our lives. And that is what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower, to be a believer, to be a disciple of Jesus, to live for him. And on this Christmas morning, let us give thanks and ask for the grace, however many days we have left, that we may live them for him. Amen.
You've been listening to From the Friars podcast from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. You can follow us on social media at CFR underscore Franciscans. God bless you and Merry Christmas.